You're listening to Parkway's podcast. We had hoped, entitled the message this morning, and it's on the shorter side, but called We Had Hoped, Trusting Jesus When Everything Seems to Go Wrong. Luke chapter 24, verse 13 to 36 is our text. We'll read it. I'll put it on the screen and I'll read it to you. Now at that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. By the way, this is Resurrection Sunday uh, when this happened. This was the day uh, of Jesus' resurrection. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened this day? And uh, Jesus said, what things? And so he went on to say about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Then some of our companions, we know it was Peter and John, some of our companions went to the tomb and found it as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And so beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with him. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he gave thanks. And when he broke it, uh, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They, I'm sorry, <coughs> they asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. I love that story. I, I love all of the accounts of the resurrection because there's just this this hazy, foggy kind of, is it true, is it not true? They're kind of somewhere stuck between grief and bewilderment and the possibility of, of hope. And, and this story is, is no different. There's been a lot of conjecture about who the two disciples were. We know one of them was named Cleopas. And if you were to read in the book of, uh, see, I got away from my notes and I'm, I've lost where it is. But if you were to read in the book of John, I believe it is, it would seem that... Uh, uh, John chapter 19, verse 25, it says that around the cross was Mary, the wife of Clopas. Now, Clopas and Cleopas are actually the same name, but spelled differently. So they could be totally different people, or it could be the same person. 
And, and many scholars believe that this was actually uh, Cleopas and his wife Mary. Uh, you know, Jesus had his 12 uh, disciples, his 12 apostles, but around him he had about 72 people that traveled with him almost everywhere he went. And the Bible says that there was these ladies who were actually well off who helped support his ministry as he traveled, and Mary was one of them. And so uh, for our purposes this morning, we're going to say that this was Cleopas and his wife Mary. And the road from Jerusalem uh, to Emmaus is actually 11 kilometers long. It's an 11-kilometer journey. So that's, that's quite a walk when you're just walking it. And, and this, the journey started out in stunned disbelief, great sadness, but it ends in joy and excitement and anticipation. So we can learn from their experience. And this morning we can find comfort, encouragement, and strength today. You know, the resurrection of Jesus was cosmic in its importance, and it was cosmic in, in what it has acquired for humanity. But the resurrection of Jesus also has a very personal meaning for each one of us. You know what I'm saying? The resurrection of Jesus gives me hope for my day when I leave this place this morning. The resurrection of Jesus gives me hope and confidence and assurance for my tomorrow. And so we're going to kind of draw some of those things out as we look at this passage for a few minutes this morning. We had hoped. The start of the journey, they're downcast, they're lost, they're in despair because the circumstances that they had trusted in, this Jesus that they had thrown their lives and thrown all of their hopes and their faith to follow, it seemed as if all of his promises and their beliefs seemed to ring hollow now because he was dead and he was buried. Three days ago, they literally watched everything crumble around them, uh, starting with Jesus being arrested. And they make the statement, we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. You know, it's interesting. They couldn't see beyond their own limited understanding of God's purposes and God's purposes for Jesus, the Messiah. And so they saw no hope in their present circumstances. Please understand, they weren't looking for a resurrection because they weren't, they weren't understanding the crucifixion had to take place. Does that make sense? Because they didn't believe the crucifixion had to take place, they weren't even at this point looking for a resurrection because they were still in shock that Friday happened. And that can become the problem, putting God in a box. We prayed over, over uh, the, the baby dedication this morning. We prayed this morning and we said, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in Lincoln's life this morning. Why? Because if we grow up not experiencing the will of God as it's revealed in Scripture, if we're only interested in how God can fit into our will, we're going to constantly live disappointed. And all of Jesus' disciples had a purpose for him that wasn't necessarily God's purpose. So Friday happened and they're devastated because they still didn't think it should happen so they weren't looking for the resurrection. And yes, Jesus was crucified. Yes, he was betrayed, beaten, and died. Yes, he was buried. But he had told them all this would have to happen. And, and I think it all came kind of to a head when he said to his disciples, the Son of Man is going to be crucified, betrayed, and buried, but will rise three days later and Peter rebukes him, Right? Peter says, Jesus, don't you talk like that. Why? Because that's not our purpose for your life. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And so because Jesus failed to meet their expectations, because they didn't really understand God's will and God's purposes for Jesus, they were devastated. They just didn't want to hear it. 
So when it happened, they weren't prepared for it. And you and I can find confidence and peace and joy when we are going through a personal Emmaus journey, a time of disappointment, a time when it seems like our hopes are shattered, a time of confusion, a time of honestly saying, God, what are you doing? We can find hope on our journey that way uh, because of the fact that uh, God is not a God who conforms to our ideas and purposes, but when we start to press into God and when we start to press into his word, we discover that God redeems everything when we surrender our lives to him, right? Okay, make sense? And so, here's what's interesting. Verse 15 tells us that Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. I mean, the last time they saw him, he was beaten beyond recognition. But for whatever reason, the Bible says they were kept by the Holy Spirit from knowing who Jesus was. So here's what I love about this. The answer for their pain, the solution to their despondency was right there with them. They just didn't know it was Jesus. They didn't know he was alive. And so their hopes had been reborn even if they didn't realize it yet. And so I just want to say this. We can't allow our immediate circumstances to determine our future. We have got to be careful about making decisions that are reactionary when we're in a place where we feel devastated and we feel like hope's gone. And, and, and because if we do that, we're going to take the promises of God, set them aside and say, God's promises can't be trusted. So I'm going to make a decision over here and that's when we get into trouble. The answer to their hopes The answer to their despondency, the answer to their despair was right there with them, even if they didn't realize it yet. Can I just say for every person we prayed for this morning, every person this morning who might be saying, I'd hoped that this marriage wouldn't fall apart. I had hoped that my children wouldn't make these mistakes. I had hoped this job would work out. I I had hoped my life would be different. Can I just tell you something? Don't make decisions based on your hopelessness. Make decisions according to what you know is the will of God and the promises of God and the dreams and the purposes God has put in your heart because the answer is already there in your life just because you haven't seen it yet in your experience just because it hasn't manifested yet let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven heaven is still preparing earth to receive what it's declared yes and amen Amen. right they're, it's kind of funny when you think about it. They're kind of spilling their guts to Jesus, saying we'd hoped and we're devastated and we're despondent. And, you know, can you see Jesus kind of smile and go, it's okay, guys. It's all okay. We got another four or five kilometers to walk here, but it's good, right? So we never give up until we have a revelation of Jesus in our circumstance. Don't let circumstances have the final word. Don't let a point of the journey become a permanent place. Your despair and your pain are not the final chapter. They were on an 11-kilometer journey. They didn't stop at 5 kilometers. They didn't stop at 7 kilometers. They went all the way, and when they arrived where they were going, that's when the revelation of Jesus' resurrection came. And here's, here, can I just address something this morning? The problem that sometimes we have as believers is we stop at the point of brokenness. We, dis- we stop at the point of disappointment, and we camp out there for the rest of our Christian walk. So we find ourselves saying, you know, take it easy on Seth, because you don't know what he went through 40 years ago. He's wounded. Because he's, I mean, I know he's only 12, but you know. Because we stop 
We stop between we had hoped and the revelation of what Jesus will do and can do and has promised to do. We stop and we remain in that place for the rest of our days. And that is not what God intends for our lives. We have to go the whole 11 kilometers, as it were, through to the revelation of God's power and God's promises. So don't let your circumstances have the final word. Keep moving forward. Don't stop at heartbreak. Don't build a home on, on the road to bitterness or despair because they may seem to rule the day, but they do not own the journey. They don't own the journey. If you keep moving forward, you will break through to your resurrection destiny. God has already provided your answer. Even when we don't see it, even if we're not experiencing it, the answer is either there with you or it's on its way. Or God is preparing you for an great, even greater revelation. Don't give up. Just keep moving forward. So here's a couple of principles that keep us moving forward into hope and into breakthrough. Excuse me. I keep getting better, and then it comes back again. So, so first of all, Here's the first principle. You've got to dig into the presence and the promises of God, and you've got to dig into his word for yourself. The time to get aggressive is the time when the cry of your heart is, God, I had hoped. That's when you need to get aggressive with the things of God. You see, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you can hear from God. As a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit can take the word that he wrote He can make it alive in your heart. He can direct you. He can empower you. He can encourage you. Amen? In verse 22 to 24, they speak of the woman's experience at seeing the empty tomb and their encounter with the angels. They speak of how John and Peter came back and said, it is empty, but we don't know what happened. You see, secondhand revelation and other people's experiences alone might point us in the right direction, but they will never sustain us or encourage us for the entire journey. And too many of God's people, this is your only point of digging into the things of God. And even though I believe this is God's word today, it's the revelation God's given me of his word that I'm giving to you. You don't need to just be dependent on me. You can go home and get a revelation of God for your circumstance, for your life, for your children, for your marriage, for your sickness and disease being healed just as much as I can because the same spirit of God that is in me is the same spirit of God that is in you. And so if this is all you're getting, you're not gonna make it, but you need to press into the things of God, the presence of God. I love the fact that the presence of God manifests so differently and so richly when we're together. But you know what? I need the presence of God tomorrow morning. And so we have to dig into that ourselves. Jesus has not only made available the Bible, but the indwelling presence of the Spirit. Verse 27 says that Jesus explained the scriptures to them as it concerned him. And they later testify, our hearts hearts were burning in us as he was talking to us. I think of a couple of weeks ago when John came up with Psalm, was it 64, 45? I knew it was in the Psalm somewhere. So, and, and as John started to read that scripture, God is a refuge, God is our strength, a very present help in trouble. I could feel faith rising up in this body. I could feel confidence coming to people. My heart was burning in me because that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. See, faith, let me, the Holy Spirit will open the scriptures to you in your time of need. And that's what we need because faith comes by hearing 
and hearing by the word of God. Faith is being confident of what we hope for, the evidence of things unseen. So we see that at work here because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the Bible says that Jesus opened up the scriptures to them and something started to burn in them. Faith came alive in them. And as faith came alive in them, hope was rebirthed. And hope is the evidence of things yet unseen, right? They didn't know who Jesus was yet, but something had changed within them because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And hope is is the evidence of things not yet seen. So even though they didn't see the manifestation of Jesus yet, everything had changed within them through the word of God because faith and hope were working together. And so, man, if you, if you don't have, my friend, if you don't have that revelation of Jesus yet, I want you to know something that faith and hope can burn in you and keep you moving forward in confidence. Secondly, and finally, I want to say this. What gives us strength for the journey? Recognizing that the risen Jesus is your Jesus. Before he ever appeared to the masses, before he ever appeared to the 500, he appeared to this couple. He appeared to Mary Magdalene. He appeared to Simon. I am so thankful that God, that Jesus Christ isn't just the Jesus of the crowd. I'm so thankful that he's here with us this morning, as I've already said, but he's with us when we leave this place. He's with you when you feel all alone. Can you imagine their thoughts? Where do we go from now? We gave three years of our lives to him. We had such high expectations, but now it's over. And then Jesus draws close to them. And they don't even know it. And I want you to know, Jesus has never left you. He's never forsaken you. In fact, the Holy Spirit is inside of you, and he is always there. When you know it and can sense sense his presence, and when you can't, he is with you. And I want to tell you, I'm not that old yet, but I'm getting there. And the older I get and the more I look back on my life, the times that I felt I was most alone when I look back, I realize those were the times he was with me. And, and, and <laughs> makes sense? So if you will turn to him, turn to his word, seek out his presence and faith, knowing he is there. He will minister to you. He will strengthen you. His power will keep you. His grace will sustain you. His word will direct you, and his peace will guard your heart. That's the hope we have in the risen Savior. Now, I'm not encouraging you not to go after your breakthrough. We have to go after our breakthrough. But boy, there's, there's a lot we can learn about him along the way. Amen? And so, hmm, in our marriage, in our healing, breakthrough for your family, your finances, when you're going through seasons of disappointment, there isn't Jesus is the assurance that there's no obstacle, not even death itself, that can keep us from his promises. He told them. I'm going to tell you something. It, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty big bet to hedge when you say, kill me and I'll rise again in three days. You're either going to come through or you're not. There's no faking that. And Jesus said, kill me, and on the third day I will rise again. And so if Jesus can conquer death, hell, the grave, Satan, 
all the forces of evil that go with it, if he can defeat your sin and my sin and put clothe us in his righteousness, is there anything else he can't do for us? Amen? We serve a risen Savior. He's alive today, and the Bible says he's ever interceding for us. And the Bible says that, he, that God, who did not withhold his own son, well, how much more will he not give us everything? Say that with me, everything. No, only half you believe it. Everything else that we need. The cross of Jesus paid for it. The resurrection of Jesus guarantees it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can celebrate your son. We thank you we can look back to the cross and say we're so sorry you had to suffer it all, but we're so thankful that you did anyways, Jesus. But I want to thank you that the cross and the tomb are not the end of the story, but you rose. And I just want to declare this morning, Lord, that the place where people are at, if there's anyone here this morning and they're saying, I had hoped, I had believed, I'm just so disappointed. I'm just so shattered. I pray that those people would be able to say today with all confidence and all assurance that faith has come by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that they'd be able to say that my circumstance is not the end of the story. There's another chapter being written by Jesus Christ himself. And I just pray for resurrection power to manifest in every life and every circumstance in the name of Jesus Christ. And we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to our message. If you'd like to learn more about Parkway Church, you can visit us online at parkway-church.com.